Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. And it's another National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron out of New York, John Rush out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, how are you this week? Hello, Robert. Doing well, Bob. Doing well, Bob. Always, always great talking with you. So this week, of course, here we are. It's now a week after the election. And uh, there's a lot of things to examine here. The uh, state of the race at this point, what are the chances of President Trump to pull this out? Uh, The lawsuits that are currently in play and some of the real challenges and questions about whether this has truly been an open and fair and honest election. I think these are legitimate questions to ask. We're gonna dive into a lot of this now. Uh, Let me start first by just reminding everybody of where we stand in the in the numbers, yeah, the the media, everybody seems to be declaring Joe Biden as the winner. They're referring to him as, quote, president-elect. But I do want to remind every, everybody of something, okay? Uh, there is nothing wrong with President Trump pursuing every possible legal avenue to make sure that illegal and invalid votes are not wrongly counted. Now, uh, if the, he prevails in these lawsuits in these states— and invalid votes are properly invalidated, will that be enough to flip the scales and put the president in the lead in some of these key states? That we don't know. We'll talk about that as well. But let me just suggest to everybody, and and guys, I want to throw this out on the table first. Uh, This nonsense that we're hearing from Democrats and the media that Donald Trump has some kind of civic responsibility to concede and that he's dragging the nation through a lot of ugliness right now by refusing to give up and concede and the media calling Joe Biden president-elect. I just want to remind everybody of something and then get your take on this. Uh, 20 years ago this month in Al Gore versus George Bush, it took Al Gore 37 days to concede that election. He continued for 37 days in the courts, in lawsuits, lawsuit after lawsuit in Florida, uh, specifically trying to get recounts only in Democrat counties, but not Republican counties. Uh, The big legal battle over a hanging chad and a dimpled chad and what constitutes a vote or not. And the media and the Democrats were cheering him on saying, hey, this is how it works. So if he was allowed to go 37 days, President Trump has only been about a week fighting this right now. So knock it off with the President Trump has a responsibility to concede. I think that's nonsense right now. Well, and wasn't it uh, Hillary Clinton just in August telling Joe Biden not to concede no matter what if he was on the other end of this? That's right. Absolutely. So uh, what did yeah? What did she know that we didn't know? <laughs> great, anticip- great one. Was she yeah. was she anticipating something like this happening potentially? I mean, going back to Bob, your point, the fact that the recount, mm-hmm. 
that so many people talk about the Supreme Court stole the election from Al Gore. No, they didn't. The Supreme Court said, stop counting. You've counted and counted and counted and counted. Every time you keep coming up with the same number, stop counting. I mean, stop p- cherry picking your, your, your different counties. We saw this happen in Georgia. I mean, where you look at the, over, the state's overwhelmingly red, and yet the blue counties all had miraculously huge turnouts, and all of a sudden now the president doesn't win. There are tons of irregularities that are well worth it to us as American citizens to check out. And if for some reason they check them all out, they find some indiscretions, you know, some voter fraud, whatever it is, but it doesn't sway the course of the election, then we can say, okay, at least justice was served and the Constitution was preserved and we should move on. But this idea that somehow Trump should just need to, I saw it once again, you know, what Joe Biden said, it's an embarrassment that Donald Trump hasn't, you know, already conceded. It's not, it's an embarrassment that the Democrats and the media in general are just moving forward and saying, no, we've already got, we've already got this figured out and it's, and it's shameful for you to not concede yet. It's, I mean, come on, it's eight days after the election as we're recording this yeah and i I imagine most of you guys have seen this you know on on uh, social media but there's a post that's kind of floating around out there that says you know the the same people that are telling us to accept the results of of this election just spent the last four years not accepting the results of an election (laughs) right think about it oh i know well said it's it's very true actually john let me ask you though uh wouldn't it be nice if just one reporter would ask Joe Biden, instead of all the softballs that are thrown out to him, just ask him, would you agree that any and all illegal and invalid ballots should be removed? Would you agree with that? Uh, Of course, he's not going to say that. President Trump and his team is saying, count every legal vote. And to me, that word legal is an important thing because you cannot, we cannot have a banana republic in this country, John, where illegal votes, invalid votes, votes that are outside of the law, now suddenly they're counted as well. That's not the way that it works in the United States of America, or it shouldn't be. No, it should not be. And, and we want, I mean, for the integrity of the country moving forward, we want to make sure that we have fair, upright, and in uh, moral, I guess is what I would call it, elections, where you know that each vote is not only counted, but that vote is legal in the first place, and everything is done the way it's supposed to. In other words, if votes come in a day late, no offense, guys, they shouldn't be counted. That's the system we have, and that's how things should work. If we have a polling place that allows you to be in line and actually vote in person, and as long as you're in line by the time they close, great. But once that door closes and the last guy in line is done, you can't go in an hour later and vote. Right. That's what late votes coming in in the mail would actually be. And it's also interesting, guys, I talked about this yesterday, that a what I consider to be not a very right-leaning organization called Real Clear Politics put Biden-Harris back to 259 on the electoral count, and they're waiting for some of these states to determine what they're going to do when it comes to some of what we're talking about on legal aspects. And so a very left-leaning organization, a media organization, if you would, just came out and basically said, no, Joe, you're not quite the president yet. Right. Well, you know, it's such an important point that you make, John, about – Uh, ballots that come in late. And here's a perfect example of this. And this is one of the things that just makes my eye twitch. Pennsylvania right now. Now, in Pennsylvania, the law, the actual state law passed by the legislature states that the only ballots that are valid are ballots that arrive by election day. The law doesn't say postmarked by election day. The law says arrived by election day. And it's not just Pennsylvania. Georgia has that law. There's other states that have that we law. We have that so, law, by the way, here in yeah, Colorado. It's so, so, no different here. Yeah, so a legislature 
can decide uh, in a state, do we want our state election laws to be postmarked by Election Day or arrive by Election Day? You can make that decision at the state level. That decision has been made in Pennsylvania. But what did the Democrats do? Because they run the Election Commission and because you got a Democrat governor in Pennsylvania, they just decided – we're going to change the law on our own, and we're going to say that it's postmarked by Election Day and give three days for them to show up. And then the Democrats on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court say, yeah, sounds good to us. So to me, guys, this is perfectly appropriate for President Trump and his team of attorneys to hopefully get the U.S. Supreme Court to say you have to follow Pennsylvania law. Any votes that came in after 8 p.m. when the polls closed on Tuesday, Election Day, are invalid votes. It's no different. John, I said the same thing to my audience, that if I showed up at the polls the next day and I said, oh, by the way, here's my ballot, or I went into the clerk's office, okay, here's my ballot, they're going to be like, uh, sorry, you missed it. The window's closed. This was yesterday. Well, yeah, but here's my ballot. I wasn't able to make it out yesterday, so here it is today. They're like, Bob, no, you know, and, and it's and, not and would, going to count. No, go one step further even. It's not even the next day. Again, if the, if the polls close at 7, and the way, it were, the way it used to work in Colorado when we did in-person voting is as long as you were in line at 7, they would let you cast your ballot. But if uh-huh. you showed up at 8 o'clock to get in line, the right. reality is because they, they, would, they would mark and say, okay, all these people are in line as of 7 o'clock. You're the last guy that can vote. If somebody walked up to the, to the line even 20 minutes later, guess what? They're not voting. Right. Excellent point. I'll tell you what, hang on a second. Hang on to that thought. And uh, we're going to pick up this conversation coming up right after the break. More with the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the TruthfulLife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We now continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, uh, Roger Marsh of the bottom line of the People's Republic of California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live. From Buffalo, New York, uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. John, the point you were making right before the break, you're right. It's not even showing up the next day at the polls or two days later or three days later. If you show up one hour later, it's like, no, you are not allowed to vote. That is what the law is. But unfortunately, John, we've seen this is the Democrat MO. It's like, we don't care what the law is. We're just, if we don't like the law, we'll just change it or we'll ignore it. And this is where I believe that President Trump is doing something that must, must, must be done in this country. And that's rallying support to say we will not turn a blind eye to laws being ignored, whether it's Pennsylvania or any of these other states. So, uh, but, but here's what I'm curious about, though. And, John, I'll start with you and we'll kind of go around the table. Will it? Do you believe in Pennsylvania? We'll get to some of the other states in a minute. But do you believe that there will actually be enough votes in Pennsylvania that came in after the polls to flip this? Because to me, there's two issues here. One is, is it right to bring these lawsuits? Yes, it is. Okay, necessary. Yes, it is. Second question: Will it be enough? to actually turn the election back to President Trump. He's down 46-some thousand votes in Pennsylvania. 
Uh, it's not 46,000 votes that would have to come in after Election Day because unless Joe Biden took 100 percent of them. But let's say Joe Biden took 75 percent of them. That means there's got to be about probably 70 to 75,000 votes that would have to come in after Election Day that would be invalidated. So it's a necessary fight. But is it something that will change the outcome, we'll say, of a state like Pennsylvania? What do you think, John? You know, I don't know if I, if you listen to some of the, you know, folks that are much smarter and closer to the, to the process in some of these states than I am, some of them will tell you, yes, it is. And that's why these lawsuits are moving forward. Keep in mind, everybody listening, that lawsuits are not cheap. The thing that the, the things that the Trump administration right now is going through, you know, cost money. And there's, I guarantee you, uh, I know Donald Trump well enough to know this, there's a cost analysis that has gone on to determine for the amount of money that we're going to spend to go through all of this, is it in fact worth it? In other words, are there enough votes there to flip? And of course, nobody knows until they delve into it and find out what the courts, you know, will allow and not allow. But guys, the way I guess I would answer that to you, Bob, would be, Evidently, somebody thinks so, or they wouldn't be proceeding with all of these lawsuits. Yeah, well, and that's, that's I guess, what's left to find out. The Supreme Court did order, thanks to Sam Alito, that the counts, the ballots that came in after the polls closed do need to be separated. Okay, fine, but you would think somebody out there would be able to give us a ballpark estimate of how many votes that might be. So far, I haven't heard anything like that at all. So this may all be... No, no, I've heard heard no numbers at all. But again, to your point, I mean, Trump, even on the Real Real Clear Politics website, shows him only being 0.7. So Biden has 49.8, Trump has 49.1 the way it stands right now, notwithstanding some of these court orders and things that may happen there. So folks, it's very, very close in some of these states. And again, I think that's why, you know, at least real clear politics had enough um, uh, enough morals, I'll call it that, enough morals to back off and say, wait a minute, Joe, you haven't won this thing yet. Right. So true. So true. What about the other states? Uh, so we got Pennsylvania. Uh, let's let's kind of go through and, and crunch the numbers, guys, if we could. And, and Roger, I want to get your take on this. Right now, if Joe Biden is given Pennsylvania and Georgia and Nevada and Arizona, if he's given those four states, that puts him at 306. Okay, let's say Pennsylvania is flipped back to Donald Trump. Let's say there's about 75 to 80,000 necessary votes that did come in after the polls closed. The Supreme Court agrees. Pennsylvania law doesn't allow those to be counted. Say Joe Biden took 75% of those, but that's enough to, uh, to, to, to basically swing a net gain to Donald Trump of 45 to 50,000. And now Trump has declared the winner in Pennsylvania certified. Okay, great. Uh, that's 20 electoral college votes that comes off of Joe Biden's 306. That now takes him down to 286. All right, you got another 16 at play. Uh, President Trump needs to flip at least two more states. Uh, any two more states and he's good. We look to Georgia. Uh, Georgia has 16 electoral college votes. What do you think, Roger, the odds are of Georgia flipping around? Georgia, the president, is down over 12,000 votes right now. And, I mean, there's some stories of irregularities, but I don't know that there's 12,000 votes. Actually, it would be more than that, 20,000 votes probably, of irregularities that would have to be found in Georgia. So where do we stand there? 
Well, my goodness, there's so many different terms and so many different, uh, you know, I, I would have been a terrible lawyer because, you know, you think about what happens in a case like Pennsylvania, for example, where there's the irregularities, there's the amount of uh, uh, the, the votes that came in on which days they came in, uh, you know, the, the mysteriously appearing 139,000 votes that showed up after they stopped counting in, in certain counties, and all of a sudden you, you get a, a, to the point where you're thinking, okay, well, okay, <laughs> Which which trail are we following? The math is plausible. I mean, Pennsylvania, I think, is definitely in play, and in all honesty, I think Georgia and Arizona are in play too. Nevada, that's going to go blue. I mean, I don't I don't know where we got the idea we we're going to have that necessarily. But the one that I'm watching off of Pennsylvania, but also Arizona too. Arizona, all the media went blue on Arizona right away, and they will not back down from that one. And that one, I, I think, there is so much uh, potential for the president to, to conceivably flip. I, but I'm with you, Bob, to the point where you've got the two different conversations the first one is um, are there irregularities illegalities that need to be pursued absolutely the second question is isn't going to do enough good and i could still see this thing going you know 270 to 268 you know if it when it comes right down to it but you have to go through with this though we I mean, you have to simply because of the fact that there are so many changes and i was watching a, a fascinating conversation with victor davis hansen from the hoover institute stanford university and he was being interviewed by the former deputy prime minister of australia john anderson who's got a podcast that apparently two million people watch and i just i came across it on youtube and they were discussing the whole you know back and forth and back and forth of this whole issue and 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 the the reality in terms of the numbers the shocking mood swings in terms of how many votes came in and were counted and then all of a sudden uh, didn't count the integrity of the election the whole world's watching this thing and saying hey if america has you know banana republics and coups happening like this too what does that say for the rest of the world um the the idea that we could have a free election like this get so tainted like this. I'll give you an example just from the People's Republic here that gives me a little bit of hope. There were uh, six congressional seats in 2018 that were have been red forever, and they mysteriously turned blue because of ballot harvesting after, uh, after Election Day, basically. They were literally about to call them for these six Republican candidates, and a week later we found out that all the Democrats that ran against them won because this big treasure trove of votes came in through what was then legal ballot harvesting. Two of those seats flipped back to red, and it was interesting in this last election uh, to see the headline from the Orange County Register of all places that was talking about the fact they said, you know, typically uh, election results favor Republicans, but uh, uh, this cycle has been a reverse of that trend is uh, Michelle Steele, who is a Christian woman whose big, the campaign against her, I kid you not, was you can't vote for this woman because she pulled her daughter out of public school because they teach that LGBTQ is an acceptable lifestyle. I mean, literally, that was part of the campaign. I mean, she's homophobic. You can't vote for her. Well, guess what? Voters in the 48th district in Orange County said, we like that kind of woman. And yes, we're, we're going to vote for her. So, so that was one of the seats that flipped. Um, I think there is the potential to do this in terms of the funky voting and the who shows up. I, I'm glad Justice Alito stepped in and said, look, Pennsylvania changed so many laws you know, in terms of COVID and what, there are so many executive orders in these states where they did change the law. And that was the, the Victor Davis Hansen point. The fact that you have state law and then you passed all these executive orders to try to bend the rules to make it work for your side, it just, it stinks. I mean, it just really does stink. And I'm glad they're going through with the lawsuits. I know they're expensive. They're going to take time. But I think at the end of the day, we want justice. Whether it turns out right for Trump or not, we want justice. Absolutely. And uh, Neil Boron, of course, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. 
Uh, I know, Neil, we got to take a break here, uh, but I am curious to get your take on whether you tend to be optimistic or pessimistic about the final result once the dust settles. Not the rightness of the uh, of the recounts and the lawsuits, and I think all of that is necessary, but as we were talking about before, uh, President Trump, uh, the math needs to be he's got to flip Pennsylvania, he's got to flip Georgia, and he's got to flip Arizona. I, I agree with uh, John Roger, Roger that uh, Nevada seems like it's gone. Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. Pennsylvania, we're talking about 46,000 seats. Georgia, we're talking about over 12,000. Arizona, we're talking about 15,000. I just don't know that that mountain – can be scaled with enough ballots invalidated. Maybe I'm just being uh, pessimistically uh, in an unjustified way, but what's your thoughts on that? I'm curious if you tend to be optimistic or pessimistic as we go into this break. Well, I'll tell you after the break. How about that? Okay. Uh, (laughs) We'll take a break here and continue with more of the National Crawford Roundtable in just a moment. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. My name is Neil Boron. Uh, I'm in Buffalo, New York. Bob Duco kind of leading the conversation today from Detroit, Michigan. John Rush in Denver, Colorado, and Roger Marsh in the famed People's Republic of California. Um, Well, I'm pessimistic. Yeah, I am in terms of what might happen. Let me go back for a minute. I I do think that this needs to play out in a proper fashion and that uh, Republicans need to continue to push the issue because if, if we can't have confidence in our voting system, you know, the election process, mm-hmm. then our, you know, it's a constitutional republic, but democracy is done in America. You know, the idea that free and fair elections is is the way that it's always worked for over 200 years, and I can't see that anybody's going to actually believe the results of any election uh, if it's proven that there's any kind of fraud or, you know, malfeasance going on here. The, the bottom line is I do think that the president is right to push the issue. Does he have enough to get him over the top? I'm glad you clarified, because when I was doing the math, the same as you were, I mean, even if he gets Pennsylvania and Georgia, that still puts Joe Biden at 270, and something else would have to flip. So the idea that he could take all three, including Arizona, I don't know. I mean, that seems like a a lot of ground to make up. Uh, What's amazing to me, I don't know if this is the impression you guys had, and I guess we did talk about a little bit last week, but when I went to bed the night of the election, I was like, wow, I think Trump's got this. I mean, everything's Hmm. leaning in his direction. When I woke up in the morning, it was completely the opposite. And and then, you know, the other thing is, for the future, if you can say, well, you know, we're calling, whatever, Texas in favor of the president or, you know, or in favor of Joe Biden with 1% reporting. I mean, you've seen that before, where right. networks are calling races with 1% in. We're at 99% right now, and people aren't sure which way this is going to go. A lot of that probably has to do with the mail-in balloting. But the whole mail-in thing really has changed the face of how we do elections here. And quite frankly, I'm totally against it. Like, maybe in hardship cases or something, but there ought to be a deadline on when that ballot needs to be in. Like, in other words, it has to be in the day before the election, and it will be counted on election day, or it's not going to be counted. 
The other thing is, why not just make this whole thing electronic? If you can, if you can count, uh, you know, one and a half million um, American Idol votes during a commercial break <laughs> and come back with an accurate total, how in the world yeah. are we still doing this in the 21st century? It's beyond belief. It's ridiculous, me. actually, guys. And that, yeah. To me, that's the biggest upsetting thing of all of this. And and I've said this all through this this whole process. And Neil, I agree with you. And even though we have mail-in voting and have since 2013 in Colorado. I'm very much against it. I think it's ripe for fraud. We've seen situations in Colorado where things, you know, are not always done correctly. We've got a really good check and balance system in Colorado, but it still has its holes. And and I realize any system can have holes, but, uh, you know, and I've heard people talk about if we had a nationwide, you know, federalized voting system, well, then that makes it easier for somebody to come in and hack it. The way we've got it now is it's this patchwork across the country. And, you know, guys, the reality is these programmers are smart enough that if there's 50 of them to crack or there's one to crack, I don't think that matters, to be honest with you. I am one that says, and this is me, and I'm an employer, by the way. So as an employer, I would advocate for giving everybody the day off to go in to vote in person on election day. I, as an employer, will be willing to pay for that day for my employees with one caveat. I want voter ID. Yeah. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, let's face it. You, you need to show ID to uh, go into a bar to buy a, a pack of cigarettes, to rent a hotel room, to rent a car. Uh, but you don't need ID to vote in an election. And this idea that we're now just flooding the market with millions, tens of millions of ballots to be thrown out there. That opens up such a window of fraud. And by the way, the Democrats right. know this. They, they know full well That's right. that that while I would never say that there's no Republican out there that would do voter fraud and fill in bogus ballots, I, mean, I would never be that naive. But I think the Democrats know in their heart of hearts the overwhelming majority of people who would do something like that are going to be Democrat voters. And so they're the ones who benefit from the fraud-minded people out there. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate. You're right. We, we've got we've to get away from that and say – Absentee ballots because you have a legitimate reason, okay, fine. You're in the military. Uh, the company you work for has sent you overseas. You're not able to physically get home. you got a justified reason. All right, fine. Uh, you need to give us that. You need to give us ID. We need to match signature. We need to make sure that you're you. And then, okay, here's your one absentee ballot. Do that. But this kind of mass mailing of open ballots, uh, it is it is rife with fraud, and I would argue that we've seen it here. By the way, John, are you – optimistic or pessimistic about what happens when the dust completely settles because i've been i don't know about you but i've been hammered by a lot of my listeners because i said here's what i think is going to happen when the dust settles if i were a betting man i'd say five percent chance trump pulls this out 95 percent chance joe biden's going to be declared the winner even though it'll be a robbery win Uh, i'm saying 95 five i know that's not scientific it's just pulling a number out of a hat but it, it, I'm just having a really hard time seeing the math work out here when the dust settles, John. Hey, and I'm like you, and I, I haven't taken quite the same heat, different listening audience probably than you. And I, you know, I've just been very careful in making sure that nobody is reading, which we could get into maybe in the second half of the podcast, some of the conspiracy theories that are out there, you know, the National Guard, you know, counting RFID chipped you know, ballots and watermark ballots and you know, no offense, guys, there's a bunch of nonsense that <laughs> there is, is going on out there that it just does not exist. <laughs> and I have said all along, 
uh, since the, you know, like Neil, kind of went to bed that night thinking, well, you know what, I think that, uh, you know, very possibly Donald Trump will be the president in the morning. Uh, now he has got a very, very steep incline. And, uh, you know, Bob, your 5% might be actually very gracious because, frankly, I think he's got a very steep incline to try to make this work. But on the same token, I do believe it's his right to do so. If he's got some inside information and there's things legally speaking that he can do, then by all means, he needs to do so to make sure that not only this election is fair and balanced, but moving forward, it's the exact same way. And hope that we as a country can learn from this and make some changes moving forward so we don't have this debacle again. Roger, what kind of optimism versus pessimism do you have about when the dust settles, what the final result, and not how just it's going to be, but what the final results liable to be. Well, you're, all the points are very well taken. You know, the fact that uh, it, even if everything goes right, this is kind of like I, my oldest daughter used to do this to me. I'd be driving her to school. She'd be getting ready to take her final for one of her classes. I'd say, well, how are you going to do in the winter? She goes, I think I have a shot at an A. I'm like, okay, well, what do you need to get on the, the test? I said, well, I need 106. I said, it's a 100-point exam. Yeah, but they have extra credit. So if you get everything right and you get the six points, then you're going to get an A in the class. Yeah, I'm like, babe, okay, we need to talk about your oddsmanship here. Right. Um, it's it's going to be so close if it does come down to it. I think, quite frankly, though, the the, the, the justice thing is, is as important as who winds up getting it. I just saw the uh, breaking news from the New York Times as we're recording this right now that Dan Sullivan of Alaska has been declared the winner. Well, on the other side of the break, maybe in the second half of the podcast, I would love to talk about this whole, well, you're not the winner until your opponent concedes. You know, you're not the certification. Certification doesn't really matter anymore. I think Trump has a very slim chance of pulling this out, but I'm glad they're considering the, continuing the legal fight. Well, I absolutely am, too. I know we're coming up on the uh, the half of the podcast, and, and coming up in the second half of this podcast, we're going to talk about a, a lot of other things regarding this election, including uh, this poll, this Politico poll, showing that 70% of Republicans say that this election was neither free nor fair. And I have to say, I admit that I do believe that this election has not been fair at all. I And this is a harsh word, but I would say rigged. And it's been rigged in a lot of different ways, not just from all the voter irregularities and the ballot counting shenanigans and all that, so, which is a very serious issue, okay, and legitimate. But there's a lot of other areas that I see this election as having been rigged, uh, and much by the mainstream media and big tech. And I want to dive into that as well. We're going to get into that in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And you folks are invited to join us online. Here's the best way to do it. You can go to crawford.live and listen to the second half as well as access the previous episodes. Or you can subscribe to Apple Podcast. And by the way, if you do, we'd love it if you'd give us a nice, big, fat, sweet five-star review. Or listen to us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And myself, Bob Duco, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, we're going to continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York, John Rush of Rush to Reason from Denver, Colorado, Roger Marsh, Comrade Marsh from the bottom line, the People's Republic of Southern California, myself, Bob Duco from the Bob Duco Show in Detroit. Uh, we're talking about all things election, where we stand at this point regarding the election, the contested states. It sounds like we're all pretty much on the same page that 
that the right it is the right thing to be challenging these these election shenanigans the lawsuits are the right thing to do we must make sure that only legal votes are counted illegal votes and invalid votes must not be counted so i think the president's doing the right thing and i also believe exposing and bringing to light some of these whistleblowers if i can say on a side note there have been now over 500 individuals who have mm-hmm. signed sworn affidavit. These are, by the way, election workers, okay, right. uh, working in the right. polls. Over 500 of them, under penalty of perjury, have signed affidavits declaring, I was there, I saw with my own eyes these kinds of things. Ballots being changed, ballots being switched, ballots being altered, ballots being discarded, ballots being brought in, uh, people changing ballots, filling out blank ballots themselves. So. Uh, you know, the, the the Democrats and the media had a slobbering love affair over this one Ukrainian phone call, quote unquote, whistleblower who wasn't even on the phone call. Whistleblowers are supposed to be the darlings of the liberal left. Here you have over not one, not two, not three, over five hundred whistleblowers risking perjury charges if they're not telling the truth. So uh, it, it is right and necessary to dive into all of these things. But I think we're also all in agreement. That's probably not going to be enough, most likely, to overturn this election because the deficit is just too strong. So now what I want to talk about is rigging elections. I would argue this election has been manipulated and rigged. Now, the Democrats and the media, you recall guys in 2016, they talked about Russian disinformation and Facebook and such, and that was election meddling. Okay, well, fine. If that's election meddling because they believe it has the ability to sway some votes, what am I missing here? Why is it not also then election meddling for the mainstream media to report 95% of everything Donald Trump does negative, sweep under the rug anything negative about Joe Biden, uh, dishonestly report things that slant towards Biden and against Trump, hype COVID the way that they've done all year long to keep everybody in a state of panic without reporting any of the positive aspects of this, perpetuating the rioting and the racial tension we've seen across this country calling these riots peaceful protests, knowing full well this hurts President Trump. And then organizations like Google, Twitter, Facebook, they're censoring of information that makes Donald Trump look good or Joe Biden look bad. And then I would add to this also the over-polling, the inaccurate polling does the same thing. It produces voter suppression. I mean, in Wisconsin, uh, the day before the election, ABC News and Washington Post came out with a poll showing Joe Biden winning by 17 points. Uh, Well, guess what? Joe Biden only won by about 20,000 votes, a fraction of a percent. But I can't help but wonder how many Donald Trump voters were so discouraged by a 17-point deficit in the polls that they figured, what's the use? Why go vote if you're going to lose by 17 points? It's a waste of time. Add to that the mass mail-in voting with no ID required, no signature matching required. Guys, it seems to me there is a long list of stuff that has absolutely manipulated this election, way more so than any Russian ads that were bought on 
Facebook. Let's kind of go around the table and, and, and talk and get your uh, your takes on this. And, and Neil, if we could start with you, Neil Boron, uh, live, of course, out of Buffalo, New York. It does seem to me we need to have an honest conversation about election rigging and manipulation through all of these different sources. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, let me just say this, though. I, I want to bring it back to the Republicans for a minute. It seems to me, if this was a football game, I would say that, that the Republicans got out coached in this game. And what I mean is, it seems like, even though we had a really good ground game, and a, a great strategy for building support amongst uh, the black community, the Latino community, um, you know, it, it seems like Donald Trump's policies were really resonating with people, with the American people. We saw the, the red wave and the down ballot stuff that happened, you know, in congressional elections with female conservatives getting uh, elected to Congress. I think Nancy Pelosi's flipping out over that. So, I mean, there was some really good stuff happening. But as far as the election itself goes, why does it seem like so many Republicans are, are standing back saying, well, they wouldn't let us in to see the vote counting? Well, who's they? Who, who, who wouldn't let you in? The Democrats wouldn't let you in? Um, well, how did they get to be the ones holding the keys? Like it, and it, So as far as you know, coming up with the idea of passing out ballots to every registered Democrat in a county and saying, you know, just make sure they're mailed in by a certain date, um, where was the Republican ground game on all this? Because it really, I, I, I think that they're minus everything that we've seen, you know, with all the mail-in voting, early voting and all that stuff. If you take all that away, Donald Trump wins by a landslide in my estimation. So I don't know, but it does seem like we got outcoached. But what are, what are we supposed to do in the ground game for things like Google, Twitter, Facebook, the mainstream media, the dishonesty, the false polls that are put out there, the mass mail-in voting? Okay, this, to me, Neil, with all due respect, I, I'm not sure I agree here in the – there's a difference between being outcoached, and I'm not saying there are – times where Republicans drop the ball, they do. But there's a difference between being outcoached and having the referees themselves wearing the jerseys of the opposing team. And it seems to <laughs> yeah, me that right. that's what we've experienced here, John, John Rush. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. And by the way, I agree with, with both of you. Uh, what could we have done? And to your point, Bob, there's a lot of things that are just stacked against us no matter what. And we've got to figure out how to defeat those things moving forward. On the same token, uh, I'll side with Neil when it comes to some of the, the coaching. And, and, guys, we even talked about it on our program here on the podcast and on each of our programs, that very first debate that Donald Trump did. And when he came yes. out swinging at Joe Biden, he made huge mistakes. And did that cost him the election? Y you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things. And, and I, as much as I appreciate the way Donald Trump got into office, I think mid-year or, you know, mid-term in his in his you know, in two years in is what I'm trying to say. So, so midway through his presidency, I think his tonality on some of those things, and we've talked about this on the program, should have changed. Uh, not not saying that he that the that, you know that the fight goes out of the dog. That's not what I'm saying. But how you approach things, and let's just let's just say that second debate. He did much better at what we're talking about, and had he done some of that halfway through his presidency, we may have a different outcome today. Yeah, but let me just also, and John, I appreciate you backing me up. That was that was awesome. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but even just on you know getting getting out the vote, like I think that the Democrats were way more aggressive in getting out the vote this time around. And you know, I'm thinking of Matthew 10. Uh, I think it's well, it's probably. 
Okay, here it is. Here, actually, verse 16. Behold, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to their councils and flog you in their synagogues. I mean, I, I think that, that the Republicans like to think that there's a level playing field and that it's it's a fair system and that we're all on the same page as far as free yeah, and, and fair very, elections. And it's very naive, by the way, if that's the case. It, that's that's yes. my point. That's what I'm saying. I don't think the Democrats play that way. They play they to win, and they're going to they do whatever they can to make it happen. And I think that the Republicans got outsmarted. Well, I guess the frustration for me here is because of the fact that the playing field is so uneven, because the referees are act advocates for the opposing team, Republicans, they have no margin for error. I agree with all the stuff you guys say, are saying about uh, Republicans and their get-out-the-vote effort, Donald Trump and his debates and, and, and uh, the way that he presents. So I agree no, with you, all you, that. Let me, let me jump in real quick, though, guys. And I, we used to experience this. So my kids went to Christian school and sons played ball and so on. And I will just tell you right now, and, and people can say they disagree with me or not, but when it comes to Christian schools playing public schools, there is sort of this automatic by osmosis the referees and even a lot of the folks that are on the on the field the officials and so on uh, they are very much against in a lot of cases the christian end of things as we all know that basically the world doesn't think that christian education should exist in the first place in fact parochial education shouldn't exist the public school system should be the only system out there so what i'm getting to is every time our, our kids would go onto the field. In fact, we'd have this conversation prior to the game. We knew that we were going to be stacked against us in the officiating ends of things every single time we went on the field, which meant we had to outplay the other team every single time we went out to play. If we were going to win a championship, which my kids did numerous times, we had to outplay the other team every single day to overcome those other individuals called the officials at the same time. And that's what we as Republicans are going to have to do moving forward yeah and i guess it just stinks that it has to be that way uh, but it is what it is I, I i know i get that and roger marsh let me ask you i mean and i know we got to take a, a break here roger uh but some of your thoughts on the uh, on the uneven nature of the playing field and, and what do we do about this do we just roll over and accept the fact that well hey you know the media is going to be dishonest google twitter facebook is going to censor and silence the polls are going to manipulate to create voter suppression among republicans i mean how do we fight back against this? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts on that, which we can get into on the other side of this break as the National Crawford Roundtable podcast continues. Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Continuing now with the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, along with Bob Duco, host of the Bob Duco Show in Detroit, uh, Neil Boron, host of Neil... We're on live in Buffalo, New York. John Rush, the host of Rush to Reason, Denver, Colorado. I'm Roger Marsh, host of the Bottom Line Show here in the People's Republic of California. And it is in kind of interesting. I was just thinking during the break, guys, that it's interesting that the four of us are hosting this uh, faith-based, biblically worldviewed uh 
podcast every week from four blue states. Uh, so it is possible for people who live in people's republics like we do to still have this conversation. Uh, you were talking about, the, I, I love the, the dialogue about being more aggressive. And Neil, when you talked about the, uh, you know, how aggressive the, the Democrats were, I kept thinking you misspelled desperate. Because, I mean, they, they were so humiliated in 2016 because they thought they had the situation rigged. The reality mm -hmm. is, and we see this here in the People's Republic all the time, the Democrats are the ones who are behind the scenes, in the legislature, changing the laws, and the Republicans then go to the polls and go, wait, what? How did this happen? I was glad to see some more muscu muscular Republicans here in Orange County um, actually going out and, and, and kind of playing the same game. It's not that it's illegal, but these are the, the rules of engagement. I, I definitely agree that, I, that, that, that the Trump administration and his team... The difference between 2016 and 2020, quite frankly, is Kelly and Conaway, in my opinion. I mean, remember, Trump changed campaign managers four weeks before Election Day last year and wound mm -hmm. up pushing across to victory. This year, he goes out in the first debate and decides it's all about character. Remember how much they kept pushing the character issue? Donald Trump should not be arguing character issues with people. I mean, I, I, I think he did a fine, credible job as president, but quite frankly, nobody wanted to hear him talk about Hunter Biden's emails. What they wanted to hear about was the economy, the economy, a little bit of COVID, the economy, the economy, and the fact that the unemployment rate, in spite of a global pandemic, was 6.9% right before Election Day. I mean, he should be trumpeting all that stuff, and his surrogate should have been doing the whole thing they completely missed the mark so yes the republicans if the republicans get a chance to get another election to go their way as far as the presidency goes because I, I think that once the socialistic agenda of the biden harris or the harris biden ticket takes over it's going to be a long time before we see a republican president having said that the one thing i want to put on the table to you guys because it's been coming across my social media feeds and my interactions with listeners do you get the sense that maybe the one part of the trump re-election campaign that the Trump administration badly misread was the number of people who identify as Christians, but they still think Donald Trump's a jerk, and they're literally now flooding social media saying, thank goodness we're going to have healing again. Thank goodness. We I'm, no. I'm so glad it's Joe absolutely. Biden because we're getting our country. Are you seeing a lot of that too? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And it's well, absurd. And, and, and real quick, Roger, I think what you're really ultimately saying, and I'll bring this back to the business side, unfortunately, and we've got the same problem in Colorado with our Republicans, the Republicans don't know their market. They don't know the people that they're actually talking to that are trying to get the vote swayed. And until they determine who their market is and how to speak to that market, we're dead in the water, guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's and, a very good and, and by the way, real quick, Donald Trump knew who his market was back in 2016, but I think he forgot who that market was going into 2020. That's my own opinion. Well, and, and the truth is we can – and doing a postmortem here on Trump – I. Personally, I, look, I agree with every single bit of analysis you guys are giving on this. I do. And and I, I agree that Trump had a lot of things to really focus on, especially in the economy uh, leading up to the election. And so I do believe that he was off target in some of those areas. I guess I I got to be honest with you, the, the uneven nature of the playing field and the, the dishonesty of the referees uh, calling strikes balls and balls strikes, that – it is a frustrating thing. You know, you mentioned, uh, John, yes. I think it was you that mentioned Hunter Biden earlier. Let me just give you one. That was Roger. Or Roger, I'm sorry. Let me just give you one brief example of the kind of thing that I'm talking about, okay? Uh, the media suppression of stories that are negative to Joe Biden versus positive to Trump. Media Research Center uh, did a survey, did a study on the Hunter Biden story. They, now, of all the areas of dishonesty, that Joe Biden and his campaign engaged in, okay? And all the things that made Biden look bad, would have made him look bad, would have made Trump look good. Uh, they just took one, the Hunter Biden story. And after the election, 
Media Research Center asked voters, uh, did you know about the Hunter Biden issue? And they specifically laid out to them what we know at this point, okay, which was, uh, uh, and here was the question, uh, did you know that there is actual evidence in emails, text, testimony, and banking transactions being investigated by the FBI that Joe Biden's son, Hunter, was collecting millions of dollars from China and from other countries. Uh, did you know about this? Now, uh, among Joe Biden voters, the people who already voted for Joe Biden, 36% said, I did not know about that. Okay, then they were asked a follow-up question. If you had known about that, would you still have voted for Joe Biden? 86.9% said yes, but 13.1% said no. I would not have, all right? 13.1%. Uh, if you break that down to all Joe Biden voters, that becomes 4.6% of all Joe Biden voters. So 13.1% of those who didn't know about the Hunter Biden story at all 4.6% of all Joe Biden voters. Well, Media Research Center said, well, let's take that 4.6%, see what effect that would have had on the election. And you know what it does, that 4.6%? It takes Arizona from a 17,000-vote win for Joe Biden to a 58,000-vote win for Donald Trump. It flips yeah. Georgia from 10,000 votes ahead for Biden to Trump winning by 103,000 votes. It takes Nevada from a 34,000 uh, vote lead for Joe Biden to just a 3,700 vote lead. But here's the biggest one of all. Pennsylvania, it t instead of Joe Biden winning by 45,000, it puts Donald Trump winning 108,926. And then finally, Wisconsin, instead of Biden winning by 20,000, it has uh, Donald Trump winning by 54,000. Now, this is from Joe Biden voters who admitted with their own mouth, had I have known this Hunter Biden story that you just informed me of, I would not have voted for Joe Biden. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just one news story. Add to that, guys, all of the other er stories that were negative to Joe Biden uh, or that were positive to Donald Trump that were just not reported outside of shows like ours and some of the people on Fox News. So I submit to you, keeping voters manipulating information be it google facebook twitter and the mainstream media this is in fact controlling and rigging elections i would argue in a very dishonest way i wish there was some clear answer guys to figure out how to fix this other than just complaining about it and saying we have to be 10 times better than and flawless in our message we do that's the way that it is i just wish there was some way and some answer to this. Well, I want to jump in on this, Bob, because I, I, I want to respond to what you're sharing. Those those numbers are are startling. I mean, they're they're mind-boggling. It mm -hmm. gives me a little bit of hope that if people did have the right information, they would have made the right decision. But the thing that I just kept hearing in the back of my head was, yeah, but we knew in May 
here in the People's Republic of California that the fix was on. That's when we got the mandate, the executive order that said everyone's going to get a vote-by-mail ballot, and the message from the media was, even though that wasn't the specific executive order, you could still take that in and go vote. The order was, you're going to vote early and you're going to vote by mail. And, th- and, and there was nothing coming from the GOP. I mean, it was very little to counteract that. Not saying that people weren't saying it, but the counteracting part. I mean, there's only if you've only got one or two voices like Newsmax TV's really stepped up huge in the last couple of weeks. If you don't have enough media voices, then you have to be more intentional and you have to go out and do it. And so the reality was the fix was in long ago. As soon as people could start turning in their, their ballots, they started turning it in. And there are two kinds of Joe Biden voters, either the ones like you just described that said, we're not going to put up with this, or the other ones who said, don't know, don't care. You robbed us in 2016. We're getting our own back now. And I'm just in tears because we have a woman vice president and we're breaking glass ceilings and it's all about checking off boxes. Mm-hmm. Who cares that she, if someone who is being held up by the African-American community is, isn't this great? Black girl magic and all that stuff. Um, that th- What they're saying behind the scenes is, yeah, but she also had the highest incarceration rate of black males when she was Attorney General of California. and she, you know, It was tougher as a black man in California to not be sentenced to prison under her regime. So right. I mean, there's, there's so many inconsistencies but there, I guess it takes more of, I'm grateful that in addition to this podcast, each of us have our own platforms, you know, with Crawford Broadcasting here to be mm-hmm. able to keep sounding the alarm and encouraging other people to keep spreading the news and sounding the alarm as well. Not the clutching my pearls and I'm so mad and I want my America back, but rather saying, guys, this is really happening. And yeah. if you knew it was really happening, then you would change your mind. It gives me a little bit of encouragement to know that if it were a question of getting the message to the people who were voting for Joe Biden, they would have had second thoughts once they found out that there's all sorts of corruption and it all heads right back to his doorstep yeah and, and john rush and john i know we got to take a, a one more break here real quick but uh to roger's point one of the things and, and i guess this is what's sometimes frustrating for me about this is that it doesn't take you know the media and big tech and whatever they don't have to uh sway 100 million votes or 10 million votes or even a million, okay? All they have to do is affect 2 to 3% of the population. All they have to do is affect a few tens of thousands of people in a few key states. And that's all that is necessary if you can keep them in the dark about things negative to Joe Biden and keep them in the dark about things positive to Donald Trump. that's all they need. All they need to do is just sway a few tens of thousands of people. And we've seen that that's what they were successfully able to do. The information getting put out there fairly, guess what? Even with the mail-in ballots, even with all the voter fraud, even with all of that, that's overcoming. Donald Trump wins easily. Well said. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. And we're back, National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Bob, Neal, and uh, Roger Marsh, and you know Bob, and back to your main question, you know, what do we do on our side? All of the above. Yeah. We do need to improve the ground game. We do need to make sure that the deck isn't stacked against us any way, shape, 
form we can, including what Donald Trump is actually going through right now in regards to, you know, ballots and, and vote counting and when votes were delivered. And, you know, there's a great story out even today on Project Veritas where they're trying to get one of the postal workers that claimed, you know, some of the fraud and things that were going on. Uh, you know, the, the feds even are trying to get him to recant. And he's basically saying, no, I'm not. There's actually uh, a video with him being wired in the interrogation, if you would, where they're trying to get him to actually recant. So, guys, there's a lot of things out there that definitely are stacked against us. How much of that's going to come up, and how do we handle this in the future to make sure we're not in this situation down the road so we don't become a banana republic when it comes to voting? Let's just say this. we still got a lot of work to do, and I think the four of us have job security in that world. <laughs> yeah, and I want, I want to jump in and just say that I'm a firm believer that the truth always ultimately prevails. And I don't want to be like, you know, Mr. Sunday School here, but I, but I honestly believe that if we keep, uh, you know, declaring the truth boldly and courageously, and this is a real time for the church to step up and wear big boy pants and be the church. And, I mean, because, you know, look at how many votes were lost simply on the issue that people didn't like Donald Trump. I think a lot of people voted for Biden simply because, you know, he irritated them. Well, we part of the ground game means we got to do a better job of helping to explain the whole policy and the agenda stuff. They're going to affect us for decades. And nobody really mentioned the freedom issue here, but the whole threat of socialism. It resonated for sure with Cubans in Florida. Look what it did there. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think that's a message that resonates with just American people, including even some moderate Democrats right now that are calling out AOC, saying, hey, you know what? The reason we lost these down-ballot races is because your, your agenda is too radical. Like, you know, average Americans don't want socialism. And I think we could have done a better job with that. But I, I, I do yeah. believe that a lot of it has to do with what happened before the election that showed up then on Election Day. I would love to, as we kind of wind this down in our last couple of minutes, uh, get you guys' take on the the way the media is referring to Joe Biden's last Saturday night speech as a, a speech of unity, a speech of healing. I got to tell you, my eye was twitching through the, all of the coverage of that. Uh, first of all, and some of my immediate thoughts, and let's throw it around the table. Joe Biden saying, okay, yeah, we need to stop the division and not see our enemies as our enemies, but we're all Americans. We got, okay. This is the same Joe Biden that repeatedly, viciously, and dishonestly attacked Donald Trump as a racist and a homophobe and a xenophobe and accused him of calling neo-Nazis very fine people and saying inject bleach in his arm and calling dead soldiers suckers and losers and all of these lies. Joe Biden put all of these out there in his ads. So number one, uh, no, we're not going to be lectured by you about unity and healing. Uh, secondly, Joe Biden claims, I'm going to work just as hard for those of you who didn't vote for me as those who did. Oh, really? Uh, name for me one executive order you're going to sign that's going to be cheered by pro-life evangelical born-again Christians who are politically conservative Republican and booed by Democrats and liberals. You know there's not going to be one. He's not going to fight for uh, conservative Christians. But here's the third and final point I want to make about the healing speech that we're hearing so much about in the media. Donald Trump, with all of his harshness, with all of his bluntness, with all of his bull in a china shop kind of stuff, he gets zero credit for the times that he attempts to reach across the aisle, where he attempts to call for unity. I went back and I pulled the transcript of Donald Trump's acceptance speech in 2016. This is in November after the election. Uh, this is right after Hillary Clinton called him and gave the concession. All right. Listen what Donald Trump said 
Uh, these are his first words that he said, uh, and this, this is coming from Donald Trump. He said, quote, I just received a call from Secretary Clinton, and I congratulated her and her family on a very hard-fought campaign. She fought very hard. Hillary has worked very long and very hard over a long period of time, and we owe her a major debt of gratitude for her service to our country, and I mean that very sincerely. And then the audience applauded. Then he said, now it's time for America to bind the wounds of division. We have to get together. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across the nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. I pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans. And for those who have chosen not to support me, I'm reaching out to you for your guidance and your help so that we can work together and unify our great country. You know what? He got no credit for a unifying kind of message. He say, I mean, Joe Biden didn't do this. Joe Biden didn't say to everybody who didn't vote for me, I'm reaching out to you. I'm asking you for your guidance. I'm asking you for your help. All right? Joe Biden didn't say that. Donald Trump actually said that. Uh, all the people who say he doesn't have a humble bone in his body, well, you know, he's braggadocious. I get that. But when he says stuff like that, it ought to be acknowledged. Instead, the Democrats and the media spit on his hands, smacked it away, uh, spent three years investigating him for Russia collusion claims, impeached him for a stupid phone call, tried to remove him with the 25th Amendment, and called him a racist, xenophobe, sexist, divisive, Hitler-loving, neo-Nazi supporting white supremacist talking in coded dog whistles to his fellow racists. <laughs> That's what he had to experience for four years. So, no, don't tell me that Joe Biden is the healer-in-chief now. Okay, guys, I'm on a rant. I know we're just about out of time. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I'll just say amen. I appreciate what you said, Bob, and I'm glad you brought it up. But, you know, the Americans have a short memory, and yeah. you would wish that everybody would go back and read the transcript for themselves. Uh, we tend to watch the news each day or find out what's on social media or in our Facebook feed, you know, as the source of of our information about what's going on in the world and we, we leave it at that and i just want to challenge anybody who's listening to dig deeper to pay attention to find out what's going on behind the scenes not just what the media is telling you because the media is rarely ever telling you the truth i'm talking about mainstream media uh -huh. listen to this podcast and and get informed and get busy because there is a war to be fought here and i think that we need to courageously and boldly continue to stand up for truth and righteousness let me also say though real quick and i'll stop here if Donald Trump at some point is proven to not be the winner in spite of any lawsuits or challenges or whatever, in, in the end, if he loses this election, he owes Joe Biden a call and he needs to concede and we need a peaceful trans, uh, you know, transition of power just because yeah. that's the way America works. And by the way, even if it is a rigged election and Joe Biden ends up uh, enjoying the spoils of a dishonest election – uh, we do have to be Christians first, and that means praying for Joe Biden, praying for Kamala Harris, not supporting their policies, fighting against them, but not harboring hatred, resentment, and bitterness in our hearts uh, toward Amen. them or Democrats. And so that's that's a challenge, but that's also something that as Christians we recognize uh, the love of Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives in us is more powerful than even an unjust election that we may be frustrated by so uh good uh, good final point there uh neil and boy i look at the clock we are out of time uh we always appreciate you folks tuning into the podcast and we invite you 
to go to Crawford.live, where you can access this podcast and previous episodes. You can also subscribe to Apple Podcast. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star review. Or subscribe to Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And here on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh, the bottom line, out of Southern California, John Rush, Rush to Reason, out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, Gentlemen, always great catching up with you every week. Looking forward to next week. Likewise. Likewise. Thanks, yep. Bob. Have hey, a good we'll one. see you. Thanks. Good Thanks guys. for listening, everybody. God bless. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.